Welcome to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. On today's episode, join Amy, Elizabeth, Mary Rogers, Shelley, and Tracy as they talk required reading. You know, those books that your teacher forced you to read in school. They'll chat about the books they loved and they hated before indulging in a little more hating and chatting about other books they dislike. Stay tuned. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. If you have listened to our podcast before, you know that we are usually in the business of celebrating reading. And we like to talk about what we've been reading and what we really loved and the separate different genres that really speak to us. But today, that's all over. We're bringing you the nitty gritty, um, realistic side of being a reader, which is sometimes a book just doesn't work for you. But today, um, I have a, a group of uh, book haters. Uh, <laughs> they're actually, they're, they're readers. And by definition, if you read, you're going to find something you don't like. So um, if y'all will introduce yourselves, we will, we will get to our discussion. Sure. My name is Shelley Ziegler, and I'm a library consultant here at MLC. I'm Amy LaFleur. I'm a reference librarian here at MLC. I'm Mary Rogers-Beal, and I'm the Mississippi Talking Book Services Director here at MLC. Where, where are y'all again? Here at at MLC. MLC. Okay. <laughs> just just, just want to establish just that. Yeah. Didn't want them to be confused. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Scott. I'm a reference librarian, and I also do social media at the Mississippi Library Commission. I've never heard of that place. It sounds oh, fascinating. Wow. It all I thought that's a cool place to work. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I thought the first place to maybe get started with a book, you know, the books that you didn't connect with would be required reading. Like what were you assigned in school that just, that just like ruined your life? And Elizabeth, I'm going to start with you only because I, I know what one of yours is and we share it. So. <laughs> oh, I, I keep forgetting that you also hate Ethan Frome because he deserves to be hated. He tell does. us, tell us about Ethan Frome. So it is, I, I started writing down words to describe it, and I have miserable, start to finish, <laughs> heavily moralistic, pity party. So this one, she wrote it, it's by Edith Wharton, and she wrote it in 1911, and she didn't even call it a novel, she calls it a tale. So it's one of these, quote, cautionary tales. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just this poor man. He, mar he had to come back and take care of his parents. And then he marries this lady. And then he falls in love with the lady's cousin. Cousin, I yeah, think. I think it's a cousin. So the wife is Zena, the cousin is Maddie, and oh, he's so in love with Maddie because she's just so wonderful and not like his gloomy wife at all. And poor gloomy wife, right? Because even though she's being this horrible person and whining and getting him to do things, here he is basically having an affair right in front of her. So she's like, okay, look, she's got to go. I think Maddie and, and Ethan, they might kiss or something. But then, I, don't, I don't even think they kiss. I think they almost kiss. 
they almost I don't is, know. Is that the and affair? They like eat some pickles. Well, no, they they have they're emotionally <laughs> having the affair. Do they it's write longing letters no, no, they to just each other? Look longingly. Oh, at and one that's another. the affair. This is nineteen eleven. Oh, okay. And it's he picks her up from choir practice and stuff like that. I do not know this book, so this is all new to me. <laughs> oh, and they accidentally break Zena's prized pickle dish. <gasps> not by, the pickle no, dish. Not the pickle dish. Um, that's, that's the real betrayal. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean no more anybody knows that. So she's like, okay, look, you know, I'm sending Maddie away, and Ethan's all upset, and he's going to, he tries to figure out a way that he's going to run off with her, but then he he goes to a neighbor, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll give me some money, and I'll do this for you, and the neighbor's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're such a fine man, and then he can't do it. He can't con the neighbor so that he can run away with his wife's cousin. And so then he's taking her to the railroad station mm-hmm. or something. And this, this is where, it, like, y'all are following, right? <laughs> yeah. Things are about yeah. to turn so dumb. Oh, so, <laughs> oh it's so, not dumb yet. No. Oh, okay. No, it's not Good dumb yet. So then they, they decide, oh, you know what? Let's slide down this hill and on a sled. On a sled. It'll be fun. We'll have this moment together. So they do. And then at the bottom, Maddie is like, you know what, Ethan? We should totally just commit suicide together and just go back up the hill. (laughs) Shelly's laughing. Go back up the hill. And we'll just. So it's not talked about this suicide pact until they're on this sled? No. Okay. So they're on the hill, and and they go back up, and they start sliding down again because Ethan's like, yeah, suicide, great idea. And so he does he twitch the sled a little bit because maybe he thinks about his wife? But anyway, they both crash into the, the tree. Neither one of them dies. He gets That's a limp. That's not really a good suicide plan. Right. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm just... Uh, you know, just... I could think of so many other ways. Yeah. Not that I. Not that around. I think about it a lot, but if I was, I mean, I, I would, would think have of a surefire. A lot of elements have to be yeah. just right. So that's what happens to Maddie and Ethan. She is paralyzed, and he has a limp, and so it ends up that she ends up staying with them forever and ever. And Zena and Ethan take care of her. And she's all poor and pitiful and whiny and mean now. And Zena, the wife, has to like, oh, well, her symptoms weren't that bad. They were all psychosomatic. And so now, now that she really has to, she can get up and take care of someone. I hate it. I know. I that it. does There's sound so like a horrible thing. Well, it, I didn't know it was that bad. It's so bad. So I thought, I, I read this in 10th grade, and I was actually in in-school suspension um, when I read it, so because so I hated it, and I thought Did it was... Did you read it because you had to, or because oh, yeah. you were just like... No, no, I had to. Okay. I thought it was my environment that contributed, because you know what? I actually love Edith Wharton. The House of Mirth is one of my yeah, top like 10 Mirth, favorite yeah. books ever. So I thought, you know what? I've always hated this book. It's probably because I was trapped in a trailer in the parking lot um, of my high school yeah. for three days, uh, and so that's that's why. No, I read it, reread it, maybe I don't know, three or four years ago. It's just as bad. 
And I was like, surely I, I forgot. They don't really try to aim for a tree, right? No, they do. What? And I read the Wikipedia article, and she based it on a real-life accident that she read about where mm-hmm. five people were in a sled and accidentally hit a tree, and one of them died. So Edith Wharton was like, oh, you know what? You know what would be better? <laughs> if there was a love story. So <laughs> a tragic can love I, story. Can I ask something? So... Y- if you were assigned this in um, high school. 10th grade, tenth also 10th grade. grade. So the cautionary tale portion of this is don't, 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 don't have an affair. Yeah. Don't, don't have an And at least not affair. with her cousin who lives with you. Okay. You know, you, you can't help who you love, et cetera. But, Keep um, it to yourself. Maybe, maybe just make some better choices. Yeah. You know, maybe that wasn't the greatest love match to begin with. Oh, maybe suicide is bad, I guess. You will be punished if you try to kill yourself, yeah. I think, is, it probably is another. It bad. I'm yeah. going to go with that. I have heard you talk about this book, Elizabeth, and, and <laughs> the fact that you hate it. I've never known anything about this book. For some reason, it has just gone by the wayside for me. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And the language she uses is also just, like, the writing itself is very gloomy and dark and i remember being in mr ba's english class and you know him talking about the symbolism of the darkness and the snow and the gloom and i just it was the most depressing book i've ever read you know there is a um a retelling of it called the smash up i checked it out and then I started it, and I was like, you know what? No. Why am I doing this yeah. to myself again? I, it has already been established Do I like that this <laughs> plot does not appeal to me. It's not like, like I will read every single Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. adaptation. You know what I mean? I like that story, but not, hey, I hate this book. Cool, here's another version. Awesome, sign me up. No. Time to hate that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> and really, look, if you're unhappy with your marriage, you should leave. Okay, not possible, perhaps, in 1911. Right. But I'm, I'm a big proponent of, yes, just, just go ahead and go because you're making everyone miserable. But Or, the, you know what would make this better? What if he killed her? What if he killed Xena? So much better. Yeah. Then you have a different kind of book. Right? Exactly. Zena, You've you got the go kind of book that I like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then it becomes like murder mystery and yeah. like true crime instead which of like a thriller. tragic love story. Which also has the, um, like he could still be punished. Like if he got paralyzed at the end after he kills his wife because they're joyriding on the sled, they're like, ha ha, we're free of her, crash. Oh, we are now punished. Isn't that a little, I don't know. And I bet he could have gotten away with killing his wife because she was supposedly an like invalid, an inv- right. right? And, oh, she just slipped away. Very sad. I mean, maybe not on the sled. No, no, but he could have Oh any, yeah, yeah. any sort of poison or just smothered her in her sleep. Yeah, just a little light smothering. Come on. <laughs> So it's not Sorry. really morality. It's just the, her not being creative is really the problem. It's just that it, it was the woe is me. I didn't like how both women were put in this kind of, oh, the women are so weak. And, yeah. and, yeah. and oh, poor Ethan from hobbling around town with his limp for 24 years. <laughs> 24 years. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, 
that is my least favorite assigned reading. Um, Mr. Baugh also gave me Bless the Beast and the Children by Glendon Swarthout, which was my favorite mm. assigned reading. So he, he made up Some for good, it, some but, bad. Right. But Ethan Frome's really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Who else has a, uh, Mary Rogers, do you yeah. have a required reading? I do. I'm going to put it out there that I just hated being told what to read. So that's mm. probably why. Do you know that's what school is? I know. <laughs> I liked everything else about school, and like I loved to read growing up and all too, but just being told what to read, I always went into it knowing I wasn't going to like it because I was told what to read. Hmm. The one I picked for this, though, is Animal Farm by George Orwell. And honestly, I didn't really remember much of it until coming up with what to pick for this, and so I looked at it, and I realized like I think it just was not scary to me being a ninth grader and all, but it was pretty graphic. And then it just kind of boring to me, I guess, at 14 and 15, however old you are in ninth grade. I don't know. I don't think I was at a good place for that. And now looking into it, you know, I kind of get why we read it early Mm -hmm. just to kind of not get ideas, but to know everything else that's out there and all too. I hadn't read it before um, my son had to read it last year uh, for school, which m- meant I was also <laughs> encouraging him to read it by reading part of it. But I, I'm surprised that I somehow did never have to read it before. I read it in high school, probably about the same time as Mary Rogers. I had a hard time with it because it is very disturbing. I guess I did see the value in it. and. And it's not a very long book, but it's just, it, it is very disturbing. Yes. You know but, what the, um, um, like I, in Ethan Frome, like there's like, oh, here's the subtle symbolism. Animal Farm is not subtle at all. Animal like, Farm is, is not, is, it's is, like the least subtle is uh, not book subtle. of all ta- time. Um, the one vivid memory I have about Animal Farm is there's this wonderful, sweet, old horse mm-hmm. that gets shipped off at one point to the glue farm or it's not a farm it's a factory (laughs) factory (laughs) and that was very upsetting i did not read it washington state reading curriculum was all obviously very different from indiana and mississippi Mm -hmm. so i've read about it and what the animals all rise up and take out the farmers is that 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 happens right away that happens in the very beginning but then they um they're, they think they're going to, like, we have rights, blah, blah, blah. And then they end up basically just uh, acting like humans mm. and ruining everything. That's that's basically what <laughs> yeah. happens in Animal yeah. Farm. I think I'd like that. that but no. You no, you might. No. <laughs> Look, it, people like it. I mean, people like yeah, it. It's considered a classic for yeah. some reason. So. And it's it's very short, too. It is. Ooh. It's a very short book. Yeah. It would fit in your purse um, if you were into that. You, you can fit it in your purse. I didn't hate it because I could see how important the theme was, um, but it was very disturbing. But the pigs ship the old horse off to the, the pigs do factory. terrible things. You know what? Look, look, that horse was doing nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just, just that uh, was leeching the po- off the rest but of that them. Was the point. Its use had it, the its usage had uh, was, been exceeded. Was useless. So off you go to glue. So okay. my sister had to read it in high school, and she was the only one in her class who liked it. Okay. And everyone else hated it. 
And she talks about that to this day. It's a lot for when you're in ninth grade. I bet. That's what, you know, stuck with me. Better or worse than, like, where the red fern grows, though? I haven't read that. Oh, Oh, I had to read that in the eighth grade. I did not like that. I, all I remember, is it a dog in that one? There's like two dogs, I two believe. Dogs, two dogs. hunting yeah. dogs. And then they're buried, and that's where the red fern grow, grows? I think yeah. so. I don't remember specifics. There's like a, there's a dead dog, and it's buried, and the fern grows out of it. sadness and yeah. hunting, and that's, those are just things I don't go for. That's why I mentioned oh. it, because of the sad dead animals. Yes. I just remember eighth grade, not liking that book. Mm-mm. Well, Amy... I'm going to ask you about your required reading, but also we have something in common in that we are both former English teachers. So we're really the enemy in this required (laughs) reading segment because we are the ones who Who had to to read things. Yes, who um, had to inflict some uh, some things on students. So what what is your least favorite required reading, and what is the thing that you assigned that your students hated the most? Oh, I didn't prepare for that part. Can I just tell you a double hates, too, I read in a class in grad school? Sure. All right, so I took a class on 18th century lit, and did y'all know, in that particular period, gave birth to something called the sentimental novel, and they suck, okay? Because I had to read (laughs) two of them back to back. And all it is, basically, is people walking around all you know walking around town wherever they are crying about stuff that's basically the plot of all of these and so the first one is called a sentimental journey through france and italy by lawrence stern it's basically this dude he's like in england and someone's like go to france and he's like all right i will so he does and he walks around and he like offends people or he thinks he does and he like cries about it and that's like he the sounds plot. like ethan from just him <laughs> like does. well but it's worse because there's like i mean there's no death or anything so like, it's it's people walking and talking basically and like just that sounds like a tracy car book like, not just, like just complaining the whole time that you sounds, like people walking yeah. and thinking and talking they yeah. don't have to talk that's so basically much. it but like when he finally almost does something it ends mid-sentence because the author died in the middle of writing it i'm just like even no. the author was they tired didn't, of you. like have someone like come so in boring. and wrap it up like a, no, a, a ghost author it. or something like that they just left it yeah so that's the first one. Oh, and also there's a character with my last name lafleur and the narrator's like yeah it's not really good for anything it just plays a flute but we'll keep him around and i was like well double offense making fun of my last name so mad kind of like that horse and (laughs) (laughs) and then so the second one is this book called the man of feeling by henry mckenzie and one thing that really stuck out to me because it's just kind of horrible nowadays you might think of asylum tourism as like you know going into these haunted um asylums or these things that have been abandoned and trying to like catch a ghost or something but it turns out we've been interested with asylums for a very very long time because even in like the 1700s you could go to bedlam and like just like point at people and laugh at them that was like something people did for fun like making fun of the loonies mm-hmm. and they would be like strapped to the walls and like straight jackets and stuff and at one point they even like made a bar next door to like capitalize on this experience mm-hmm. you know you could like pay to go see people and like get a beer on the way out so there's like a scene in this book 
the man of feeling where he's there and he's kind of like with other people who are doing that and then he goes up to this lady and he like holds her hand he's like tell me about your experience because he like wants this cathartic thing to like cry with her and that's what he does he cries with her about like her lost fiance and she like gives him a ring and then he's like well i'm better i cried sorry you have to stay here and like leave sorry that's about what? being chained to the wall and all i feel gotta like go. we yeah. as humans have always been horrible yeah, I do. That's, I believe that's, that's, that's what, what came out I'm of these <laughs> sentimental novels so that are horrible. Is the point of the sentimental novel to do all the crying? Is that like the like yeah, like the crying part is like the main uh, point? Yeah. Basically, so this guy couldn't even walk around and cry about his own stuff. He had to go to the <laughs> asylum, hold this poor lady's hand, cry yeah. with her, and then go get a beer. Yeah. How, okay. how artificial is that? I don't even have anything to cry about. Let me find someone who, who has, has it, way it worse really than me. bad. Yeah. Let me cry about her situation. I mean, is it any... I, I'm going on the weirdest limb, but <laughs> true crime podcast? Mm, well, there's a sense of like voyeurism there. True crime, a podcast or a dateline or whatever, I think it's really difficult to remember that those are people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, as much as we all enjoy that you're enjoying the worst moment of all of these people's lives you know which is much like going to an asylum holding a lady's hand while she's chained to the wall and then saying i'm out (laughs) thanks for the tears lady i feel better sorry you know yeah like podcast wise aren't true crime podcasts like the number like on the top yeah like they do the the best they do crime podcasts Okay, Shelly, you're up for... Um, Okay, so this book, I did not like it when I was um, reading it in high school. But I have a feeling if I reread it, because I've got this whole thing where I think when you read books in different seasons of your life, you get a whole different experience. I think if I reread this book, I haven't. But I think if I did, I might like it. Old Man in the Sea, Ernest Hemingway. Very short book. <laughs> Hated it. Uh, it was it was published in 1952. It is the story of Santiago, a Cuban fisherman, who is kind of made fun of, and he has very bad luck, and he's not good at being a fisherman, and he hasn't caught any fish for um, a long time, like a couple weeks or something. But um, he goes out on his little boat, and he... He catches a big marlin, and he struggles. The whole book is about him struggling and fighting with this marlin. I just remember, because I you know, had to underline and make notes in it for school. I remember them talking about his hands being all cut up and the struggle and the perseverance and I guess that is the theme of the book I mean it is not lost on me and he does eventually like I think he like harpoons the marlin and eventually makes it back to shore with this but I think along the way he deals with some sharks and fights them off and it's this whole big struggle but when he gets back, it's like just a skeleton, pretty much. And he drags himself, you know, to his shack and he falls asleep. 
But then the, the people in his village, they come out and they see what he had caught and that it had been a big fish. And then they're all apologetic and he's in his bed dreaming of his childhood. I, I think that's it. Has anyone else read this book? I, I have. Okay. I have not. I have. Do you guys like it? Did you like it? Am I telling it correctly? Is, are there parts I'm missing? No, I, I think you got it, but it wasn't my favorite thing either. Okay. So. Do, do you remember there being a lot of talk about its hands being cut up by the fishing line? Uh, yeah. Was there a young boy that was with him that he was maybe teaching? I, think I, don't, life of see, I don't remember that. I did not read that one. I'm I just read, going by the cover. Isn't that a little boy? That? I said this, no, that's The Life of Pi. Oh, now that, I like. I like that book a lot. I read, I went through a little Hemingway phase in my early 20s, late teens, and that was my least favorite Hemingway that I read. Why did you not like it? I'm just, I just want to know. It just, it was so pessimistic in the right word. It was just so, why even bother everything's going to just struggle is just it's not worth it you're just gonna fail anyway it's not gonna work out it's just such a downer (laughs) it it really was and his other books are also sort of what fatalistic mm -hmm, is that the right word Mm -hmm. but i i liked them but not i remember i remember i had to write a paper about the dignity of the struggle (laughs) but I think if I read that book now, I might like it. You know, Shelly, you're always saying that. I know. I know I'm always saying it. Does it ever happen? No. (laughs) Do you you go back and reread them and not like them, or do you just not go back and reread them? I rarely go back and reread them. Sometimes you're like, I'm going to do it, and then you're like, noob. I have gone back, and I'll start to reread it, and I'll go, I can see why I did like it or didn't like it, but I'm not going to read it. It's like I can't even <laughs> do it. I bet you'd feel but the same way about Old Man, Old Man the in the Sea. Old Man is a really short book, so I might be able to do it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not saying that. But I feel like I could because I really like some other Hemingway, mm-hmm. but this is different from his other stuff. Anyway, that's my book. But I just want to say one more thing about Mm -hmm. it. I don't want to disparage this book because I do think there's a lot of good things to glean from it. I think I was just a young kid who just didn't want to read into it. I think it's okay. I mean, obviously somebody's favorite book is The Old Man and the Sea and Animal Farm and whatever those two books were, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) The cry books. The, the, um, The asylum cry books. And um, I'm sure someone No loves one likes Ethan Frome. <laughs> I would love to hear from someone who likes Ethan Frome. I would, too. I would, too. Come Send me an email. Let me know why you yeah, like it. Yeah, if you yeah. are the one amazing. person out there. So these were all books that were foisted upon us. Um, in this next round, tell me something that you chose that you hated. So should I go first? Yeah, go ahead. I did not put any thought into this. I thought we were going to do our favorite assigned read. But the first thing that pops into my head 
is that crawdad book. Oh. That's what I was going to share. See? It, because I also did not even know we were going to get asked this question. And my brain was like, oh, what are you going to pick? What are you going to pick? And I thought, oh, my God, where the crawdads sing immediately. Because not only do I hate that book, the fact that there's that dang movie and now I get asked all the time, did you see the movie? It's a great movie. Blah, 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 that movie. <laughs> I so am not going to watch the movie. I'm like, I'm never going to see that movie. Mm-hmm. I will glue my eyelids shut before I have to see that movie. <laughs> that's now a that, strong feeling. That's that, yeah. So I, would, I would watch the movie no. before I glued my eyelids I will eye- glue my <laughs> eyelids shut. Go ahead, Elizabeth. I, I don't think I'd glue my eyelids shut, but I am really bad about falling asleep during movies, especially, I mean, even ones that I wanted to go see, so I would definitely fall asleep during the Crawdad movie. I'm not going to even try to get the name right. What is it again? Where, Where the, the Crawdads sing. It's just, it was so unrealistic. It was so unrealistic. Um, there's no way that a... Well, don't spoil it. Let's yeah. not, yeah, let's not spoil not, it for the people. Just because, like, I don't mind spoiling a book that came out in 1911 or 1753, <laughs> but th- this is a book that is really popular with a lot of folks. I do not think that it was realistic, the events and the story, and I don't think that the relationships that she formed with people would have happened the way that they happened in the book. And I do not think her life and what happens to her could have really happened. Did y'all finish this book? Yes. Yes, Yes, I did. Yes. I, I read it. My mom loved it, and so did all her friends. And I usually, she gives me a book a week that she says, oh, I think you'd like this. I think you'd like this. And I probably genuinely would like a lot of them. But for some reason, that was the one that I was like, oh, okay, I'll try this. And I don't know why I I chose it on my own like an idiot. I don't know. It's because (laughs) a lot of people were reading it. I think I did the audio book. And so it wasn't as painful because I, you know, I'd be driving or at home or, you know, doing something else. So, and I just kept listening to it because I thought, well, what in heaven's name is going to happen next? It's, <laughs> it's very readable. It's, it is. It I is very readable. sailed right through it. Yeah. But did y'all, y'all not describe it? Yeah, I've read it. I didn't like it uh, either. I mean, like, I'm not going to see it. I haven't read it. I don't have any desire to, and it's not um, out of some, I don't know. I don't know why I don't want to read it. I just don't want to. But my former mother-in-law is very adamant that I read it. Like, oh, Tracy, you'll love it. And I, I don't know what is, what is inspiring that vehemence. You know what I mean? Like, what, is it because she loves it so much? that she thinks everyone will love it? Is there something that is specific to me? I think there is a strong woman conquering the world and getting the better of her uh, people who have done her wrong element running through that she yeah, might think I that she would that. identify I with. have the personality where if a bunch of people tell me that mm-hmm. I should read something or watch a movie I'm not going to do it. Fortunately, I did read it when only I just heard about it. People hadn't started telling me I should read it. And now the movie came out, and my neighbor, 
like one day I was trying to she doesn't listen to this podcast one day <laughs> I was trying to leave for work and she literally stopped me as I'm backing out of the driveway to tell me that she went and saw this movie this the weekend before and that oh shall you have to go see it you have to and I'm like yeah never <laughs> but thank you I wonder what that is I I'm I'm probably putting too much thought into this because I think uh, since we are all librarians when I give a book recommendation to someone it is tailored to that person because I know like Elizabeth for example there is a certain kind of book that I know your mom will love it is not every book I read that I that I turn when I return it that I say oh give this to your mom she'll love it it's the specific books (laughs) the one I just turned in Ladies go on an adventure is was was the plot of the book basically. It was Miss Benson's Beetle, which oh, I loved. Well, yes, your mom should read that book. Yes, right. most definitely. Right. I think it's because we come from a reader's advisory state of mind, right? Not a I read this book, I liked it, therefore everyone should everyone read it. needs That's to like not it too. a reader's or, advisory state of mind, right? Yeah. So I think maybe it's just that when I tell my former mother-in-law, you will love this book, um, she thinks we have identical reading tastes. Mm-hmm. And really it's that I know that there's an element that she'll like because I know what kind of books she likes. Mm-hmm. You know, she likes those Kate Morton books. So do I. But you would never recommend one of those books to me. No. Because, you know, I would hate it and throw it away. <laughs> Although they're, they're pretty plot-driven. And like little, with our, our book match program, we don't read most of those books. Right. We look mm-hmm. for elements mm-hmm. that people will like mm-hmm. and pass that on. So I think that might be at the heart of, oh, you're a librarian. A, you've probably read every single book in the library, right? Yeah. And B, I loved it. You ha- you will love it too. Like she actually made me promise that I would read it <laughs> in our last con- Like she called me for the express purpose of trying to get me to read it. What did you say? I said I would. Oh my God. I mean, look, I didn't sign a contract and I didn't say when I would read it. And I didn't say how much I would read it. You can wait until you're 80. I could. I'll probably, I don't know. I, I have been in a reading slump the last couple of months and just got over it, read Miss Benson's Beetle, Ladies, ladies go on an adventure. Oh, I'm the um, one that recommended that to Tracy, by she, the way. Yes. Not because you recommend every single book to me. No, I But because no, I, you I know don't. that's the kind of book I would I like. I said, Tracy, if you don't like this, I don't know you. She'll, I literally <laughs> said those she words. She said, I will glue my eyelids shut. I did not say I will glue my eyelids shut. <laughs> For me, I chose to read that book, The Silent Patient, because I heard so much about it. Like, it's a thriller. It's got a twist. It was not (laughs) a twist. I'm laughing because of the way you're saying it. Like, it just was not. And it's like, I guess because, too, being English teacher, you learn to, like, read a certain way and pick up plot clues and pick up things early. So it's like, if you get a book that operates solely on a twist, like, that's the thing, and you figure it out early, it's like... Y'all just need to learn how to read. This isn't a good book. That's my opinion. There we go. <laughs> I didn't read that. I read the second one. I read The, the Maidens. Uh-huh. Um, because someone described it as like, oh, it's like um, a more, it's like the secret history. It has some classics major. It's got some murder. 
No. no ha- get the name of Donna Tart out of your mouth. Yeah. Don't compare. Don't yeah. compare. Yeah, I, I mean, I finished it and I was like, you know what? I don't mind a twist because you know who does a twist better than anybody? Agatha Christie. That's right. Ever, all of those clues are there. You just don't know they're clues. So when she does the twist at the end, you're like, oh, I'm a fool again. <laughs> I she should got have me. caught that. Right. I should, yes. But yes, I, I agree that uh, do better. <laughs> do better as a writer and as a reader, <laughs> everyone. Um, Mary Rogers? Um, I read that Rachel Hollis book, Girl, Wash Your uh, Face. Yeah. I think is what it, the first yeah. one, and I hated it. I just felt like she was very, like, entitled, I guess, would be a good word. And she's telling you all her struggles, but, like, they're not struggles. And I just, it was terrible. <laughs> Is it a self-help book? Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think all of her books yeah. are trying to be self-helpy. And I- I've never read any of them. Yeah, don't do empower mm-hmm. women. Yeah, but, the- but I listened to a podcast once about her and how she came to be so popular. Oh, yeah. And um, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that. I can, I believe that. And yeah. it, it, it does come from a place of a lot of privilege. I think at the time I was like, yeah, I need to listen to this. And then I was like, once I got done, I just had a terrible feeling about what I had just read. Did you wash your face after it? (laughs) Did you wash? Hopefully. Did you glue your eyelids shut? (laughs) Probably should have. Um, I think I've talked about this before, but the, the bad plot thing and, I, and I, I'm, I know I have railed against the woman in cabin 10 before because there is something that happens early on in this book that sets the entire plot in motion that is so improbable I could not get over it. And that is some people are on a boat. There's a woman in cabin 10. She knocks on the door of the woman in cabin, I don't know, nine or something and says, hi, can I borrow your mascara? No, don't do that. <laughs> Never. This is not what women do. It is not ever. what women oh do. Ever, ever. The entire plot is hinged. It's set in motion yeah. by the borrowing of the mascara because then the woman disappears. And she's like, but I know she was there because or, or, I don't have mascara. Or, the other one borrows mascara. I don't know. Mascara is involved. No one has ever... A, ask someone to borrow their mascara, or B, given mascara if mm-hmm. if asked. Maybe if you have one that you haven't opened yet, and you're like, here, take this one. Why would you do that? I, you're on I a boat. I, I you're going to need that new mascara. Isn't mascara kind of, isn't it like 10 or $15? Or more. That's or a lot more. Also, That's finding a, lot. a mascara yes. you like you is, find, listen, you're do you know how many mascaras I've paid more, like $30 for like a good mm-hmm. mascara, so I'm not giving my mascara away. If it's to a stranger? Open. Could she not have thought of anything else that a woman yeah. might? Does this author not wear mascara, maybe? Has she heard of a tampon? <laughs> like, yeah, wouldn't that make right. more sense? Yeah, if, if, if like, stuff. you There's, need to, bar- I mean, I would, I, I would give any woman on this planet Anyone walks up to me and says, do you have a tampon? Yeah. Or whatever? Absolutely. I You're would five. break my neck to try to find it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That is a thing that is very probable that someone would um, ask to borrow and also give to someone else. Yeah. Also, what about a pen? Or like have, money. <laughs> I need a quarter. Yeah. yeah. 
there's there's so many things that you could borrow from someone that a hair dryer actually that would be great i forgot my hair dryer can i borrow yours i'll bring it back in the morning yeah and then you hear a splash in the middle of the night and the person's gone and the hair dryer's yours (laughs) score one for you um i just i couldn't get over it i i don't think i finished it because I, I don't think I kept, you did, and I think I've tried to get you to read the author's other no, books, never. and you won't. I won't. And there, she's gotten better. She's already she's, she's yeah, proved I love herself. Ruth I love yeah. Ruth Ware. Not, not only is she untrustworthy, but her, <laughs> her editor, her oh, publisher is responsible true. for saying, like, no one will notice. Maybe there's this pocket of the world where they've never heard of, like, eye diseases um, and infections. And I don't know. That kind of thing just, mm-mm. I can't do it. I can't You've do it. You've written her off. That's it. Forever. Forever. She would have to literally like knock on my door and ask for some mascara and, you know, it, for me to forgive her. I've, <laughs> I've seen a picture of her and she looks like a very pleasant lady. Very Listen, nice. Listen, she's doing just fine without me. She's doing you know very I mean? well. She's very popular. She doesn't need me. <laughs> no, but I feel you're missing out on some great books. No, I'm She fine. hasn't potentially murdered anyone like Delia Owen. That's true. No, she has not. Oh, I forgot about that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Good point. I think about it every time I see that crawdad book. Well, you like, I, I love that you just called the crawdad book. That you're like, I'm not even going to yeah. say the whole we title. Have, we have people call up and ask us if they have it, if we have it. Do they call it the crawdad that, book? Do you have that crawdad book? So <laughs> That makes me hate it more. <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff like with her personal life and like, the true story part of it is the only thing that like kind of makes the book interesting to me now mm. just because like mm, okay I see where you went mm. I want nothing to do with it and that <laughs> movie so we have been talking about all of the required reading that we hated so um, tell me about the books that someone forced you to read that you ended up liking so I'll I'll bring mine back up mine was Bless the Beast and the Children. I went to high school in Washington State. No one has ever heard of Glendon Swarthout and this beautiful, what, what, what sad is the last book. name? Swarthout, S-W-A-R-T-H-O-U-T. He also wrote Where the Boys Are, which I think was like a Debbie Reynolds movie or something. So is there a movie of Bless the Beast and the yes, Children? You know, the only reason is. I know this is that the Carpenters sang the theme song. Yes, And it's on the Song For You uh, album that I listened to incessantly as a kid. (laughs) There was, apparently, there was a huge, like, bidding war for the rights to make the Bless the Beasts and the Children because it was one of those weird, like, super popular book that, you know, everyone read in 1970 when it came out and then... Everyone had forgotten about it by, like, I guess, 1980. It was about these six boys. They go to summer camp. They're all huge misfits. The theme of the camp is send us a boy and we'll send you a cowboy. And so it's this uber-masculine thing where they all team up. Basically, the idea is to pick on the weak. And so all the other boys are in, like, the Apache cabin and the Sioux cabin, and they are in the Bedwetters cabin. And so each cabin has their trophy, like, I don't know, like an axe or something, and theirs is a bedchamber. And so 
they blackmail their counselor into taking them to see the buffalo and they're really upset when they finally get there because people are just like sitting on fences and killing the buffalo and so they decide that they're going to go set the buffalo free and it's this huge you know quest to get over get back to where the buffalo are and let them have their freedom and I'm not going to ruin the ending but it is sad and redemptive and beautiful and I bawled in ninth grade so I don't want to read that book (laughs) right It is kind of You a, like a sad book, though. This has been established. I do like a sad book, but sad in the right way, and this was sad in the right way. <laughs> is it like that cat it's book? Good, it is a little like the cat book. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth gave me this really pretty book um, I gave to my son years ago, and it's called The Cat Who Walked Across France, and it is, it is very sad. I'm just saying. The illustrations are beautiful. The text is beautiful. I'm not sure it was appropriate for a newborn. You know, he he was like, uh, we read that book for years, and he was completely fine. He'd be like, why are you crying, Mommy? I'm like, oh, nothing. This cat just walked across France to find its home again. That's all. Anyway. That was my other favorite book. I would have never picked that up, but it, it has shaded the sorts of things that I look for in books, mm-hmm. I think. Well, mine is um, Coming of Age in Mississippi, the (gasps) book by Ann Moody. And I had to read it for a college history course at Ole Miss. It was very interesting, and it kind of showed me a different view, a different perspective of the civil rights movement in Mississippi. I feel like it's one that I need to reread as an adult, as a more adult adult, not as a fresh adult. Right. (laughs) Um, And it just kind of, I guess it opened my eyes a little bit when I was in college and I just thought it was very interesting and it's always just stuck with me. It was an important book, even at I love that book. Yeah. Yeah, I I have talked about it many times, but it's, it's a favorite. Yeah. When did you first read it? I only read it like four or five years ago. Okay. Um, and I didn't realize that she was from Centerville, which is where my parents are from. So reading it was that more interesting to me because I knew all the places she was talking about or most of them not not every place but when she's walking downtown or when she's talking about uh, the furniture store well it the shell of it is still there on Main Street Um, there's there are not a lot of businesses left but anyway so is it my turn no all right so one of this is back in grad school again one of my favorite classes was victorian horror story and i'm sure that's not a surprise to people who know me that i love that class or one thing that we did basically every week was we just like laughed at what the victorians found scary because we take a lot of things for granted now but one thing that was kind of new back then was like the idea of a scientist is kind of where our our trope of the mad scientist comes from and also like doctors and chemists like that kind of freaked them out because they didn't understand why people might be like in a secret room in their house experimenting with stuff and what bad things could come from that and how like unchristian and bad that is right to experiment with things so there's this one short story we read by an author named uh, Arthur Machen it's called the novel of the white powder and the plot is like there's a sister and her brother's sick and she reaches out reaches out to this doctor and she's like you got to help him so he prescribes this white powder and he stirs it in water and drinks it and he does that for like a couple months and he starts like acting weird and she's like he's not any better this doctor's got to come back and he's like well actually I'm about to get on a boat so good luck so this other doctor comes and like by this time the brother's locked himself in his room and won't come out and he's just like talking to her through the wall 
And she's like, he even sounds weird. What's going on? So the new doctor comes in, and he basically he screams, and he's like, good luck. I ain't coming back. And she's like, what's wrong with my brother? So then the next day, she's like, I talked to him, and he sounded like liquid. It wasn't even a voice. Wait, he sounded like liquid? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, she goes in there, and he's, like, basically a big blob of tar, like the medicine. (laughs) I know, amazingly funny, right? So what happened was, like, the doctor who's at sea mixed up his prescription and gave him something from, like, an ancient ritual. And that's what he's been taking. So now he's a big tar blob forever because the doctor got lost at sea. The end. It's, like, so funny. What was this book again? Uh, This is a short story called The Novel of the White Powder. It's by author Mockin. That's hilarious. I just, I just didn't the way expect you told this. I didn't story. expect the tar blob. Yeah. This yeah. is like the original metamorphosis. <laughs> for taking the wrong medicine. Because, you know, nowadays it's like if you go get medicine, you're like, my stomach might hurt. That's the worst. Not, I'm going to like not be human after this. You know? I'm going to, yeah, when they, all, all of the uh, pharmaceutical ads, you know, on a commercial, like, may cause you to turn into a tar blob. <laughs> And you occasionally leak into the next room. Sorry. <laughs> he sounds like liquid. <laughs> yeah. That is hilarious. I kind of want to read read this now. I do too. Yeah. I sent a short story collection called The White People and Other Weird Stories, but it's available on the internet because it's public domain. So. You know what? We have a book club here at MLC. <laughs> I'm thinking that our book club might have to deviate from reading a book and just have to read I'm a short story yeah. section. <laughs> All right, so a book that I was assigned to read in high school was um, it's actually a play called A Doll's House by Henrik Ibsen. It was a three-act play. It's set in uh, the late 1800s. It's about the, the life of Nora Helmer. And Nora basically has no agency. She can't make a lot of choices and decisions about her life, and she's pretty much under her husband's thumb. During the play, she's trying to help a friend of hers who's in a situation where she needs to get a job, and her husband's not very helpful. I believe, I don't know if any of you have also read this play but she does something where she tries to take out a loan and it's under questionable circumstances in the end she eventually leaves her husband and finds her own way and some people have issues with this play because uh, she also leaves her children I really liked this play when I was in high school because it was probably the first piece of feminism that I'd ever read. So I really could connect to Nora in that way. And it stayed with me. Okay, well, um, Elizabeth, Mary Rogers, Amy and Shelley, thank you for um, joining us today to talk about uh, required reading and things things that you absolutely hated. And then we threw in one bonus one you liked at the end there. <laughs> but anyway, bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.